Now, this conversation's come about because we were chatting at a networking event just a couple of weeks ago because you recently got married yourself. So congratulations. And it's taking me some time to get used to your name change as your name pops up. And we were talking about how you've gone from being on the business side of weddings to being on the client side of weddings and the lessons you've learned from that. I'm Becca Poutney, wedding business marketing expert, speaker and blogger. And you're listening to the Wedding Pros Who Are Ready To Grow podcast. I'm here to share with you actionable tips, strategies, and real-life examples to help you take your wedding business to the next level. If you are an ambitious wedding business owner that wants to take your passion and use it to build a profitable, sustainable business doing what you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get going with today's episode. I like to refer to today's guest, Rachel, as my longest ever client. She was one of the first people I spoke with at my first ever networking night that I hosted in 2016 when we were both still wedding videographers. I've watched Rachel change and grow her business, move location, become a parent, and most recently get married. And she is a true founding member of my Wedding Pro Members Lounge. Today's interview, though, is going to be a little bit different as we're going to discuss Rachel's recent wedding planning and the lessons it's taught her in her wedding business. Rachel, it's great to have you. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Becca. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm Rachel from Vale Productions. We make fun wedding films for modern family focused couples. So we're all about the fun. Traditionally, you might see a very cinematic, slow-mo, beautiful films, but that's not me. I am all about the fun and um, the, the wedding films highlight that. Um, so if you're looking for something fun, then that's, I'm the person to come to. Amazing. Now, the first question that people might be wondering as they're listening to this podcast, as I've just introduced you as my longest ever client, is why are you still around? Like, why have you stuck by me all this time? What is it that makes you stay in my world? Oh, Becca, you're great. That's why. Um, But no, seriously, because um, you've always been there whenever I've had a concern um, with some very level headed advice um, and the wedding pro uh, members group always has advice as well so um there's always someone who has had a similar situation or even positive things like um celebrating wins everyone wants to support everyone else so um it's brilliant and from a sort of growing perspective uh, all the training in the members group has been brilliant and i've always taken something away even listening to your podcast, there was something that I was like, yes. So there's always something you can take away, no matter how long your business has been going for or how new you are. I am glad you stuck around because it wouldn't be the same without you because you've been there right since the beginning. So when you first went into weddings, obviously, I didn't know you when you started your wedding business. What was it that made you take that leap and decide to go self-employed? So I... Um, went to university at Loughborough and studied geography but my main um, interest at uni was doing the student television and um, I graduated in 2009 and my friend got married in 2011 and I offered to um, film and edit the wedding for them and they loved it so much that it sort of planted a seed that oh, maybe I could do this for other couples, like as a job. At the time, I was working in London in a less positive job, shall we say. And um, 
so I, I looked into it and I did a few for free in 2013 to see if this was something that I could do. And then I bit the bullet in 2014 and went full time um, and haven't looked back since really. Um, it's been a it's been a good almost 10 years now. <laughs> wow, that's incredible to say, isn't it? 10 years in the wedding industry. Now, this conversation's come about because we were chatting at a networking event just a couple of weeks ago because you recently got married yourself. So congratulations. And it's taking me some time to get used to your name change as your name pops up. And we were talking about how you've gone from being on the business side of weddings to being on the client side of weddings and the lessons you've learned from that. So before we go into those lessons, just tell us, how was your wedding day? It was the best day ever. Um, I knew it was going to go by really fast. I knew it was going to be a whirlwind but still nothing prepared me for the whirlwind it was. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it, I'm so grateful for the photos and the video. Not that I've seen any of it yet, but just knowing it's going to be there because it just went by so fast. Um, but yeah, I wish I could do it all again. It was, it was amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. And the little pictures I have seen, you look amazing. So I can't wait to see the rest of them. The question I get asked all the time myself, and I'm so thankful I'd already started planning my wedding before I worked in the wedding industry, is when you work in the wedding industry, how on earth do you decide between all of the people that you know, how do you decide who to have? Like, what was the thing that you were looking for when you're choosing your suppliers? Well, yes, uh, it, it did make it challenging um but also really fun um pete and i for the venue specifically said we didn't want to have worked there already um so it's just by chance actually that where we got married at borton hall it was a new venue and i just happened to see a facebook um advert for it and when i clicked the link i recognized the website and basically they're owned by country house weddings and i've filmed at other country house wedding venues before so I knew that it would be good. And then when we got there, they like ticked every box, um, not just from a, wow, it's beautiful, but things like they had um, artificial flowers and they were like, if you want us to keep them here, we can, we can take them away. And I was like, yep, yeah, makes it easy. Um, and just other things were included and it was a whole package. We didn't have to worry about money. Um, so it just, it just made it easy from a, I want no stress on my wedding day, please, perspective. <laughs> and do you think having got married as a wedding supplier, it's made you love weddings more or has it made you look at them differently? Uh, I think, I think a bit of both. I, I love it from a perspective of uh, my clients this year now, like I'm excited for them because I know they're going to have the best day. I think I said, I, I've said to family and friends, for me, mine and Pete's day almost feels a bit surreal like I was in a dream it it doesn't quite feel real still which is so bizarre um and I think maybe that's because I knew what was to come like how the day flows and everything um so I think maybe I was conscious of that on the day a little bit but still looking back at, at the pictures that we have got from family and friends and stuff it it's it is the best day ever. So yeah, I think a bit of both. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've gone through it because I know that now you've got some really good information to share with everyone that's listening about how they can take your experience and implement some of what you learn 
as a bride into their wedding businesses. So uh, you've got three things to share with us. We're going to start with the first thing, which was actually the thing we talked about at the networking night, uh, about a little bit of disorganization. So do you want to start with the story that you told me and then explain what you've learned from it? Yes. So my key takeaway was um, you can't underestimate how excellent admin is so important. Um, And basically, on the morning of the wedding, uh, we all got ready all together, um, had a hair and makeup, uh, well, hair stylist and a makeup artist, two separate people. And um, already I was a little bit apprehensive because um, I turned up for my hair and makeup trial at the address I was given by the hair stylist and it was the wrong address and she'd moved house and not told me. <laughs> but luckily it was just the trial. So I was I was fine. I was like, oh, well, you know, it's not the wedding day. It's fine. Um, but then on the morning, hair, hair and makeup's all done. Everyone's looking beautiful. And I'd moved over to the honeymoon suite um, in, and people were still in the getting ready suite at the venue. Um, and my mum came in and said, oh, they're, they're ready to go, the hair and makeup artist, but um, they're asking for payment. And it threw me completely because I'd already paid. And not that long before, like a week ago, I'd emailed because I hadn't heard from them and said, I'd like to settle the final balance, please. Um, can you just confirm it's this amount and the best account to transfer the money to? So it it had been quite explicit. So I just said, I've already paid. And obviously I didn't go and sort it out. My mum did, but it was just added stress 20 minutes before I'm about to walk down the aisle that I just didn't need. And I was quite gobsmacked, to be honest. I thought, how as a wedding supplier, do you not know if you've been paid or not? Like I would not turn up to a wedding if I hadn't been paid. Like clients know that immediately that final payment is due a month before. I couldn't believe it. Um, and I and it was just my biggest takeaway was like, your one rule is do not stress the couple out on their wedding day. <laughs> and, and they did. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, actually, just listening to you tell the story from both perspectives, because I know as suppliers, sometimes we just get in a muddle, don't we? And we're stressed and we're trying to get our business sorted out. But actually, we probably underestimate the stress that the family and the couple are feeling on that morning. And whereas to us, it's just another job, another morning, another that we've got to go to something else. We we can't neglect the fact that to that bride and that groom, this is an incredibly stressful moment of their life and we need to understand it. So how could how could your suppliers have done better? What can we learn from it? So for me, um, and it ties in a little bit with um, the next point that I'm going to talk about is... Um, is, is ha- having good admin and having systems in place to to automate it for you, to make it easy to take the stress away as a supplier. So for me, I've got a management system, a customer relationship management system um, that was recommended to me and I've had it for probably five years now. And it takes a little bit of setting up, granted, but once it's in place, all my invoicing goes out automatically. Um, you can do quotes, you can do contracts, it's all there. You don't have to rewrite everything. You don't have to put clients' names in, it does it all for you. And I think that's why I was quite gobsmacked because there are systems out there um, and some of them aren't necessarily that expensive. um, So it's worth it. And so for me, it was like, how have you not, like you're a well-established 
wedding supplier how have you not got these simple or what I deem as simple important things in place um and and so from that it was sort of tying in with knowing your worth um I have had this system in place but I didn't up my prices when I introduced it because it was making my life easy I didn't even think about it from that perspective but actually now that I've got married myself I'm like this is what takes you from a wedding supplier to an amazing wedding supplier because you're doing it from a perspective of I want to be organized but I also want to give my clients the best experience possible um and my wedding videographer um Adam from Creative Spark Films and our photographers Sky Photography had incredible admin the photographers were unbelievable i mean the amount of emails just checking everything um explaining things pete sort of joked and said i think it's a bit too much but honestly i couldn't fault them it was it was incredible and that is then i then said sky photography should be charging more than what they're charging because it's next level service um and so as a wedding supplier if you're doing these things up your price accordingly know your worth I think that's really interesting because one of the things that people say is I don't want to implement these systems because I don't want to spend money but actually it it's a good idea to put your prices up but also your worth is going to increase and your customer service is going to increase by using those systems Rachel I know people ask me so what system is it that you use yourself in your business and why do you love it so this one is called Studio Ninja now it's marketed for photographers but I think it's perfect for the wedding industry in general. Um, The people that made it, they're Australian and they are photographers themselves, which is why it's marketed for photographers. But because they were in the wedding industry themselves, it works for any suppliers. So I know that um, there's a local cake maker that uses it. Um, Celebrants use it. They've got a, a closed Facebook group for all of their customers. And I've seen loads of people that aren't just photographers in there because you can create workflows you can create um, different contracts they've now introduced you can have different companies um, running alongside each other Um, so it just works for the wedding industry Um, basically it's it's all designed around a main shoot so obviously for the wedding industry that works really well because the main shoot is the wedding and then you've got work flows for before the wedding i.e I've got an automated questionnaire that goes out asking who their other suppliers are so that when I upload the video to social media, I can tag all those suppliers in it. Um, And then after the wedding, I've got reminders to edit things by a certain date um, and send out other information for the couple. And you can automate it or you don't have to automate it. So I'm very aware of customers not receiving tons of automated emails that don't come across very personal. Um, and I think for weddings, that's quite important because obviously, again, it's giving your customers faith that you know what you're doing um, and you understand them and their day. Uh, so I do tailor emails, but you can also set up templates so you can have email templates and then you just add in a bit of personalization and it's really quick it makes things flow much easier 
That's really helpful. So I will put a link to Studio Ninja in the show notes. So if anyone wants to take a look at that system, go ahead and look at it. And there are other systems. But if you are listening to this and you're feeling overwhelmed and realizing, actually, I really don't have my admin organized. I've got invoices all over the place. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Please go and look into getting one of these systems because it does make all the difference. Now, we touched on it a little bit. You talked about knowing your worth. As you were planning your wedding, getting quotes, what did you learn about how people were charging and your own worth as a wedding business owner? Like a surprising amount. <laughs> um, I think when you're immersed in your business, you get so engrossed in actually doing the work that's involved. So for me, obviously going and filming and editing. Um, and I've done a bit of research in other wedding videographers before, but of course, because you're so involved in the business you like years can slip by before you do more research again and so in doing the research for video particularly I knew what I wanted from a wedding film basically what I do <laughs> but the one thing that Pete said was he didn't want to hire somebody just to go and film the day and I edit it because he wanted to sit down and watch it together without me having seen all the footage first so we looked into it and I found two perfect videographers and one was the wedding industry award winner two years in a row. They charged £3,000 for one videographer and £4,000 for two videographers to film the day. And I was like, wow, <laughs> um, because it's essentially like twice my price. Uh, their films were absolutely incredible and I have no doubt that their admin and everything was incredible as well um but for us it was just out of reach really the 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 budget <laughs> as much as I value the video I was like oh yeah I don't think we can stretch to that um but there was another one who was amazing um and sadly he wasn't available um but again his prices were not as much as the four thousand pounds one but um more but the one thing I noticed particularly from a video perspective was that um, I offer a long feature film um, and I think it's quite traditional and it's basically the whole day from beginning to end with the ceremony speeches first dance in full. And I noticed that hardly anyone offers this anymore, like very few people. And I was intri intrigued because I was like, oh, does this set me apart? People don't want it. So they then don't want me. Or does this make me stand out because someone who does want it will then book me? So it was a bit of a tricky one. Um, and I've basically come to the realisation that I should offer it, but also not offer it so that I can please both sets of sets of customers. Um, but tying in with knowing your worth, um, I think you one thing that I've learned recently is you can't please everyone. And so targeting the right people um, is also very important as a wedding supplier. The people you want to work with is, is who you should target because you can't please everyone. And everyone has a different budget because there will be people that will have been able to pay that three, four thousand pounds for those videographers. And they're obviously successful. There'll be other people that can't. So there are people willing to pay all sorts of amounts. You just need to know which of those people you're targeting and who you're trying to go after, right? Yes, exactly. So, and I think, I think 
no matter what your budget it's then hard to comprehend other people's budget and I think as suppliers sometimes that can get in the way you'd think oh I'd never spend five grand on a film but actually like you say some people can and they value it wholeheartedly but I think what I've learned coming out from having our own wedding is that whatever you charge it doesn't actually matter what you charge if you go above and beyond and exceed expectations that's the most important thing that's very true. And you're exactly right, because people say that to me all the time. Well, I wouldn't pay that much for something. I wouldn't pay that for something. And we were, me and my friend were at Fortnum and Mason at the weekends, and we were looking around all the crockery and the, the plates. And we were having a discussion about this tiny little plate that she wanted to buy, and whether or not, you know, she could afford it, or she wanted to spend the money on it. And as we were stood there, this other girl came over with her friends, and her friends were going, well, you might as well just buy the whole set. There's no point just buying one plate. Uh, and I'm thinking, yikes, it's like 500 pounds. But it was a completely different mindset because they obviously had a completely different mindset about what the worth was of the item or how much money they had. So we can't say, well, I wouldn't pay it. So no one would, because that's yeah. absolutely not true. And we see that in everyday life. Okay, so we've covered knowing your admin. We've covered knowing your worth. What was the third thing that you learned from your wedding planning? So this um, is basically about inclusivity and being inclusive in your business. And by that, I mean targeting like all your marketing and your um, any sort of client facing stuff that you put out is inclusive. So that's um, LGBTQ plus people, different cultures different ethnicities and I think in doing I think I was aware of it um more for me personally more with the LGBTQ plus uh side of things because my sister is gay and she's also a sort of um inclusivity um advocate uh that's her sort of role in life um, and so I was very aware about having inclusive language on my website and in any marketing that I do um, but I think I'm guilty in terms of other cultures so often I will reference ceremony speeches first dance but actually not all cultures not all couples will have those formalities um, and that's only come about really since doing our own wedding and my sister bless her is getting married in June she was supposed to get married in 2020 and she's experienced quite a lot of bride and groom references um and it it comes up surprising amounts um where we were staying at Borton Hall the night before they have a cottage on site and they had a brochure that explained different things and who to call if you have any problems and there was and it just said bride and groom and it just makes that assumption that every couple is a bride and groom and that's obviously not the case like we're in 2022 it's no longer a taboo um there are widely different varieties of couples out there and so if you put bride and groom in your business paperwork your website your marketing you're instantly alienating um those couples who don't see themselves as a bride and groom or in England, you know, English civil ceremonies or um, Church of England or Catholic ceremonies, 
you're instantly alienating those people um and so i think the biggest takeaway that i took was you can't actually make assumptions in your wedding business so my brochure says um we're there from preparations till an hour after the first dance but i'm going to change that now because yes okay quite a few of my couples do have a first dance but not all of them so i think even that might put some people off if they think oh there's an expectation that i need to do a first dance but i really don't want to some people might say oh we're not doing a first dance it's fine but for all i know there might be some couples who have looked at my website seen that i've written first dance and then they've gone well we're not having a first dance so i don't want that person so it's just being mindful of people's differences and not making assumptions that's so interesting because again i'm definitely an advocate for people showing diversity and different cultures on their platforms on their instagram on their social media but the thought that actually you're right people do talk a lot about the speeches the first dance and the structure of the day and that really isn't relevant to a lot of the different cultures and the different weddings and actually that's something i've never really thought about in depth before and i think there's probably a lot of learning from a lot of us that actually, yeah, we need to ask questions about what people are expecting from their day or do our own research have a broader scope of knowledge rather than just assuming everyone fits into our box. So you've mentioned uh, inclusivity in terms of the way you're titling things. You've mentioned changing some of your own wording. Is there anything else you're planning to do in your business on the diversity front to make a difference? Yes, I plan to learn, (laughs) Um, which... I again I was talking to so my sister is getting married to the lovely Laura and Laura is also a wedding videographer and so I was talking to them um, and they it was off the back of them having a bad experience with the DJ that they booked for their own wedding they were invited to an event and their um, their DJ stood up and they they kept referencing bride and groom and they kept referencing oh your groom's going to be waiting And it was terrible because they were sat, there was only 20 of them in the room, apparently. And knowing that, well, you've invited us and you know we're a same sex couple, like how, like you're not thinking about how this is making us feel. And of course, it's their own wedding day. So it, you know, it's just being mindful of that. Um, And I think learning about, so learning about the, from that perspective, the LGBTQ plus side of things, because it isn't just same sex. So I sent an email to Borton Hall and said, um, and use same sex in the email. And I, I sent it to Laura and Lisa and said, before I sent it to Borton Hall and just said, what do you think? And they changed it to LGBTQ plus because they were like, it's not necessarily same sex. So again, I think, oh, I'm a, I'm a bit more mindful about it than, than maybe some other people, but actually I'm still learning that, you know, the right, um, way to say things and and that's not a bad thing my sister will always say if you correct yourself and you continue to learn that's the most important um it's just being mindful of it um and off the back of this conversation with lisa and laura i talked about how i'd had a few inquiries for say jewish weddings and i just sent my regular brochure out and actually that's terrible because I've not done a Jewish wedding before and it's probably totally different. And actually what I need to do is go and research what's involved in a Jewish wedding and 
almost create a brochure specifically for that that talks about their traditions or formalities which I currently know nothing about but actually it's it's on my head as a supplier that I should because otherwise I'm just and it, it's true you know I've been in the business 10 years and I've never shot a Jewish wedding well that's alienating that whole culture um so learning like we said at the beginning Becca you can never learn you, you know you, you've never learned everything in business and so that's the biggest takeaway from from things that have come out of my own wedding but actually is applicable to business on all different sides you know it's not just Jewish either there are there are loads of different types of weddings and diversity in the country that I just need to be a bit more mindful of and and learn about absolutely and I I think none of us are going to ever get it perfect but you're right it's about being humble enough to say actually I don't get this and I want to learn and I want to do better and how can I do better and how can I learn and not make assumptions about people I mean even when I got married in 2000 and um when did I get married? 2010, ages ago. When I got married in 2010, me and Matt, we weren't living together at the time. We lived separately until we got married, but people just assumed we lived together, yeah. even back then. So there's all sorts of little things you can't make assumptions about. You need to ask questions and get to know your couples on a personal level so that you can serve them in the best way possible. I think this has been a really fascinating conversation, Rachel, about those three different areas. Is there anything else that you're thinking... I need to go ahead and change this now, having been a bride and now going back into your wedding business. I think the main thing is uh, being consistent um, as well. So treating each couple um, not the same as in um, more from a sort of delivery perspective. Um, so one thing I assumed that Pete and I would get some sneak peek photos from our photographer just because I follow them on Instagram. I'd seen some sneak peeks come around. And then a week after our wedding, we haven't received anything. Yet I'd seen on their social media that the Saturday after our wedding, they had shared on the same day as the wedding, that Saturday, some sneak peeks. And whether it's because they approached the couple or the couple had explicitly asked I don't know but to me I was like oh we haven't had any like have we not paid enough like I don't know but I think it's tr like offering each couple the same thing so that they aren't looking at someone else's and thinking oh I haven't had that and then it sort of taints it we did email them and say is it possible to have just one picture to use for our thank you cards and they then did send us a few um so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a really bad experience but for me i was thinking well do they just prefer that wedding to ours like why are they sharing sneak peeks and we're not seeing any and as a as a photographer and videographer i was like really insistent that during the formalities none of our guests took pictures basically because you've seen it all before but there's you know uncle bob with his ipad in the middle of the aisle ruining the professional <laughs> photos and video and I did not want that so it was a bit of a joke in our ceremony like Rachel's probably scared you all into submission not to take any pictures but if you'd like to now's the time 
Um, and of course, my auntie was the only one who came, came up and took a picture. But then to then not get any at all, like I said to you, Becca, on, on the networking, I haven't actually got that many in daylight because people take pictures, but then they don't send them to you necessarily. And so to not have it and then to see other couples receiving it, I was a bit disheartened. So it was just to be consistent in what you're offering to every couple. And even if it is, say, for instance, so for me, I offer a sneak peek film and currently offer that as a as a whole in the package. But going forward, it's going to be an option. But it's just making it known to every single customer that this is an option so that if people do see so and so has got a sneak peek on Instagram, oh, they've paid extra for that. So it's just being consistent with what you're offering. And it's setting expectations as well. So it might be that you need to just put something in your contract or your paperwork that says we occasionally share images of our couples on social media, but this isn't guaranteed. And, you know, something like that as well. So that at least that the couple aren't sitting there thinking, oh, did I not pay enough? Did they not like me? Because yeah. we probably wouldn't even think about that again as suppliers. We're just sharing things because we're desperately trying to find content for our social media feeds. We're probably not even thinking about how that makes our other couples feel. So yeah, setting expectations and being consistent is really important. Rachel, this conversation has been really interesting, but I can't let you go without doing my usual quick fire quiz. So I'm going to give you two answers. You've got to decide which one is your preference. Are you ready? Okay. Would you rather get married in a barn or a manor house? Manor house. Would you rather have live music or a DJ? DJ. Light and airy or dark and moody? Light and airy. Summer wedding or winter wedding? Ooh, summer. (laughs) Chocolate cake or lemon cake? Chocolate! Instagram or Facebook? Ooh, Instagram. Would you rather promote (laughs) yourself on a wedding fair or a wedding directory? Directory. Are you an early riser or a night owl? early riser and do you work too hard or are you easily distracted oh um a bit of both probably (laughs) (laughs) that was the slowest quick fire quiz Rachel that we've ever done and bearing in mind you just recently got married I would like to think you could have answered those questions quicker but what's interesting is I think you're the first person to choose wedding directory over wedding fair so tell me why that is uh it's always been the case actually um I think with video people at a wedding fair they can't engage properly with it and so I've done a few um and very early on I think I've only ever had one booking um that's come about from it and because the cost of one wedding fair usually exceeds an annual um wedding directory listing it just was worth it um uh having said that it I think it's evolving um so I don't actually pay for directories currently. Um, um, my focus is Google at the moment. Interesting. Well, we'll have to see how that goes. Maybe we'll have to get you back and talk to you about that in more detail. Now, before <laughs> I let you go, one final question that I ask all of my guests. What is the one thing you wish you'd known sooner in your wedding business? Definitely who my ideal client is. Um, which kind of ties in with the previous comment about Google and directories. Um, I think people, my ideal client are people who know from the very beginning that they want a video. Um, And, and so I wish I'd known 
about ideal client and and again not trying to target everyone um much earlier on so that i could yeah target target the right people and be a bit more streamlined in in marketing from the very beginning absolutely rachel it's been a pleasure if people want to find out more about you where's the best place for them to find you so the website is veiledproductions.co.uk um, and you can find me on social media, um, which is Veiled Productions um, everywhere, I think. <laughs> so there's no there's no uh, differences. So just put Veiled Productions into into social media and YouTube. Perfect. Thank you for your time and congratulations again on your recent wedding. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you. If you want to get to know Rachel better or find out more about what she's up to, then why not come over and join us in the Wedding Pro Members Lounge? That's the place where you can get really great access to me, monthly training, weekly updates and accountability and so much community. If you're thinking about joining the Members Lounge, well, your luck is in because right now I have a very special offer just for you, the podcast listener. You can join the Members Lounge for just £1 for the first month. All you need to do is use the code podcast at the checkout. You can find the link in the show notes. I'll see you next time. 